0: Welcome to The Worst bestsellers, where we read about old man Batman so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, Klaus Janson, and Lynn Varley. Joining us to discuss this super influential superhero comic is mystery author and a man who magically lost his mustache, Philip Matas. Hi. Hi, Philip. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm very excited because I know this, this book so lines up and is so important to your lives. (laughs) 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 I'm here for it.
2: (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't
1: know if every I don't know if every recording of this podcast starts this way, but I feel like I have maybe casually counted some like three or four sighs now as we've mentioned (laughs) (laughs) either frank miller or the dark knight returns Uh, so (laughs) just keep it up (laughs) it's it's all your these opinions are very valid
2: i'm genuinely a little nervous recording this because i mean we have done like dianetics and we've done like fox news books Mm. and i feel like this is the book that is most likely to get me yelled at by like men on the internet for my opinions on it,
1: <laughs> if that is tr- if that is true, then a I apologize, and b welcome to the show, you guys. I'm glad you were listening. You know, check out that uh, that Matthew McConaughey episode. That one's super fun. <laughs> yeah, you got. Now I, I I get it. It's it's a weird thing. Batman being so popular, so everybody can have an opinion on it, and some people in particular have very strong opinions about it.
2: Yeah, so this book, Dark Knight Returned, I got a print copy of the 30th anniversary edition from the library. And I'm looking at these pull quotes, one of Time Magazine's top 10 graphic novels of all time, Mm
1: -hmm. quote,
2: possibly the finest piece of comic art ever published in a popular edition, Stephen King, one of the pillars of modern comics, New York Times. The Dark Knight Returns gave birth to the modern era of adult-oriented superhero storytelling, the Washington Post. Like, that's what those people think. And then there's (laughs) me who's here like... Poop emoji, <laughs> poop emoji. Dash dash. Renata, put that in the next edition.
0: <laughs> I do feel slightly more Philip. Like we have to apologize for you because you mentioned that like this is clearly a very foundation, uh, foundational. I tried to say fundamental and foundational. as the same word. Foundational. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um. Book to you. Yeah. As a creative person, and yeah. I do feel like we're gonna kind of be like this is a garbage book over and over
1: well <laughs> i and and i should say and i should say i'm not i'm not necessarily here to you know tell you why you're wrong at all i totally get especially coming at it now why there are parts that people would have problems with and you know anything like that but just being honest with myself reading it even today i still remember when little 14 year old me was Aww. sick at home and my mom brought it home for me because I'd been staring at it at Walden books at the mall and, <laughs> R. and... R. R. Walden Books. I know right uh, th- but they uh, I she was willing to go get it when she you know went to the store and got some other stuff and I'm sure I didn't get all of it but I was still like really sucked in. But at the same time, I think maybe to your points, and we'll get into it more. Uh, it reminds me, a friend of mine and I came up with this term for stuff called high school serious. This, mm-hmm. this book feels like very high school serious, where it, it is practically, <laughs> for better or worse, like a template for young grumpy boys to feel important. You know, like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, nothing works out. Oh man, you know, like, I'm gonna go listen to Candlebox. And, and just, and, li- and read The Dark Knight Returns until it's time for pizza or whatever. You know, it, 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 fits, it fits into that mold. And, and it, like I say, just being honest with myself, I, I know that that's at least part of it. And then even in my own writing, I still think there's parts that I still kind of, just like in, in not formats, not the right word, but just in like some structures of like almost dramatic pseudo-noir uh, the way that Miller writes action and and even like the thought, like Batman's thoughts as he's going through action, I I've always and still do uh, respond to. But but then there's a hundred other pages.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. I can relate to that. I was just I might have been on this show that I was just recently talking about how like, how. I know that so much of my own writing style is developed by watching Aaron Sorkin shows constantly sure. when I was mm-hmm. in high school and college and how that is a thing that I do kind of like have to admit to people and kind of yeah. like flinch a little as I do, but I can't help it. It's just, it's there in the my writing DNA. It was incredibly influential for better or worse. I know
1: there is a part in my own book where I have the character in danger, and it's all it's not first person, but it's still kind of like in her POV, you know, because it's a detective mm. story. So, you know, you want to limit it that way. But I'm sure at one part I i wrote something like, you know, she dodged some huge danger and mentioned how she was lucky. And I almost wrote lucky old man. I'm like, oh, my God, you got you can't you can't do that. She is, she is <laughs> one of those things. She is not all of those things. It's just coming through. It just can't help but come through.
2: Well, and this is this is coming off of us doing two Buffy the Vampire Slayer related novels also. Yeah. And so this feels like a good time to just give a quick similar to us sort of disavowing Joss Whedon. <laughs> Frank Miller Miller kind of oh, kind, yeah. of, shitty guy, kind yeah, of shitty guy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Generally shitty guy. <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially as like just time has gone on. It was it's one of those things. And I don't know if. I I mean, I don't know the guy at all, but it feels like from some interviews that I've seen around the time of this publication, you know, when he was more of a working artist, steadily working, like in, he was sort of in the comic book industry, not just like a big feature guy with these types of books. He sounded more like a regular human being. And then slowly but surely, it's like he either believed his own hype or just watched too much Hannity at night or, you know, or whatever. And just became radicalized almost it's it's yeah it's not been a great trajectory
2: well i already forgot the title so this this is this volume is collected as dark knight returns and then there's a trilogy of this and i already forgot the title of the second one because it's like normal and then the third one is like oh go
1: oh yeah yeah it's uh i've i'm totally here for that the second one i believe is the dark knight strikes back okay and then yeah the third one if you want to do the punchline (laughs)
2: The third one is Batman Colin the master race. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. That one I started reading as it came out, you know, because they, they did. Frank Miller also has a bad ha- habit of promising he's going to deliver on time and then never doing it. So like, it'll be an issue every two months. I mean, three months. I mean, we may never finish. He hooked up though, and, or maybe by his own choice or someone else's. With, I, I believe his name is Michael Azelrod, and he wrote, he's had some success in like Wonder Woman revamps and stuff like that mm-hmm. to help him like stay on course. The master race is in the book, <laughs> is Kryptonians, like evil Kryptonians uh, who, are, who are coming to say. Like, but yeah, it's, it's the kind of gross thing you look at, and you're like, wait, what I know about Frank Miller plus what I know about those words. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know where this is gonna go.
2: Yeah, I, I obviously I haven't read it. I just like saw no. that title listen. and I was like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, he, if if he's learned any lessons, he's not learned all of them. So, you know, it's like, hey, you might want to think about that title, buddy. No? Okay, stupid. Yikes.
2: But so yeah, like I can even I can certainly understand that in the comics landscape of the 80s, like that this was a bold new direction and different Mm -hmm. and influential. And I just don't like
0: it. Yeah, as a person who thinks probably the greatest comic of all time is Ryan North and Erica Henderson's Squirrel Girl. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. just very is a very different. It sure. is that that is my ideal story. Sure. This yeah. is this is as far <laughs> From my I, ideal, like, story and art style and yeah. moral, as you can possibly get, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. It does mean that I did not enjoy the experience of you know what? It,
1: it. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of that thing that's going around. It's been going around for years now of sort of examining when you look at IMDb's user voted top 100 movies, and they're clearly all... Dude, movies for lack of a better word, you know it's it's Mm -hmm. the Godfather, the Godfather Part Two, the Lord of the Rings, the Dark Knight, and like I wonder, maybe not even have to wonder how much the influence of this book is just driven by the loudest group of a holes, you know? That was like (laughs) people, people will keep talking about it, and the weirdest thing is like no one can move past it, you know? Mm. Like it's it. I was watching the new Suicide Squad last night. And this mm. spoils nothing, but part of it takes place in Corto Maltese, which was made <laughs> up in this book. And I'm like, jeez, man, you <laughs> nobody can move past this thing ever.
0: Especially for something that seems to take place outside of like regular continuity. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and we
2: can get into that when we start going into the book. There definitely, I read this book with like the DC Wiki open because <laughs> it, it's really was really hard to follow and I was partly like well I wasn't reading any Batman comics in the 80s and then I'd pull up the wiki and I'd be like oh this was only in Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns (laughs) and then multiple times I ended up on like reddit or quora and it would be people asking the same thing like wait can someone explain this to me and i was like oh thank god it's not just me but (laughs) it's very dense and i guess you know again like i wasn't really reading comics in the 80s but i wonder if some of it is just like you knew you didn't have wiki and you were maybe just more prepared to accept like, Oh, I guess I get what happened. Like I don't, you know, I was assuming that I had missed something. And maybe if you were reading it more contemporaneously, you're like, well, I've read all the Batmans and I know I didn't miss anything. So I'm prepared to just like fill this in for myself. I
1: wonder, I wonder too, if it's a, if it's just like a writer thing that he, he went, I, I, I'm pretty sure his goal was to write the final Batman story. And so okay. he sets he sets it in the future for everybody, just you know, up updates everyone, and then by doing that, then he has to think like, well, you know, not everyone's going to be around, and and I also was thinking that because I noticed this too, like the the toy maker and you know the mutant gang and all those things, like they never existed prior to this, and I kind of love that in it because today the version of that is uh, I don't know if you've ever read the Long Halloween. But it's a it's another giant Batman story, maybe like 10 or maybe even 20 years ago. It's very much a more modern comic and more like modern media comic where every character is one of Batman's rogues gallery. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. Poison Ivy, the Joker, Two-Face, you know, just everybody. And this one, I I've I think maybe part of what has helped its legacy live on is that, yeah, those characters only exist here we have to kind of imply everything else. And then it then it feels bigger as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, just like just me complaining about Marvel movies, but it mm-hmm. does kind of drive me crazy sometimes how like everybody's something, you know, it's like there's just no new characters. There's never like a, there's never a new thing. It's all from 50 years of books. So I don't know, maybe that it is kind of strange, especially looking at it now that, <laughs> that there isn't a connection to, Some other thing of like, well, the mutant gang is from issue 320 from 1972 or whatever. But that's also, I think, I think it's just a writing thing. They're like, no, I'm making a whole new story and and I'm going to put him there.
2: That makes sense. And again, I think it's a valid choice for the time. It was just like really confusing for me as a reader. And part of that, I think is my, you know, I'm semi familiar with DC. I've certainly read some other Batman comics and I grew up watching the Batman animated series. And I've liked some of the other Batman movies, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not somebody who's like walked in like,
0: oh, a Batman, what is that? But I'm also like, who are these people? Like, what? I don't sure. know. It's funny to me because I I the only bat adjacent comics I've ever read. I actually had thought that I had read this mm. before, and then I started reading, and I was like, oh no, I haven't. So I'm not sure why I thought that. But you know, what, Kate, <laughs> I'm going to
2: interrupt. I I had that feeling too. And it got less and less as it went on. And I really think that maybe in high school, I picked this up at the library and read some of it and was like, never mind, and put it back. Like when I got to the end of it, I was like, I'm sure I've never read this part before, <laughs> but I think I read the beginning. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, I think maybe my brother read it. I I mean, I know he owned it, so he probably read it. So I think maybe like seeing it around the house frequently as a teen made (laughs) me think like, oh, I must, because I always picked up his books and read them. Like, oh, I must Mm -hmm. have read this at
1: some point. It was also such a big deal that no Batman stories outside of just a few have ever moved past it. Like the tone of this in some general way has crept into every Batman thing since like, the animated series is like my favorite Batman thing mm-hmm. ever. Right. But it's still got like, it's got a good smear of dark Knight returns in it. And the, you know, the Zack Snyder movies are sick with them. And, you mm-hmm. know, it just on and on. And even Lego Batman was like playing against this thing. And it's so even if you didn't read it, you have been exposed to it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, I don't know how much Elvis Presley my son has heard, but he knows who Elvis Presley is. Cause like, you know, even if you haven't heard it, it, was like it it's like, it's it's kind of everywhere. It just it just is. So maybe yeah. it's maybe it's one of those things. Everybody's tried to copy it, too. You know, all those things. It's 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 a it's a disease.
0: Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think it's so. So I I've not read a ton of Batman comics. I read Batwoman at one point. Mm hmm. I've seen a bunch of the DC adjacent movies. I watched Legends of Tomorrow. Thank you, Renata. Yeah, but I'm best. not like super familiar with DC. But despite that, I had the opposite reaction to Renata, where I just like be- I think beca- maybe because I wasn't familiar with it, I was just like, oh, I'm just rolling with this. Like, I just. Like right. this is fine. Like I, I'm just mm-hmm. assuming that everything will become clear. And I mean, it's it sort of did. <laughs> so it wasn't yeah. as, as I, it wasn't the the questions that I had were not like oh, but like where did these people come from? But more like, mm-hmm. well, this
1: is dark. Yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, also that not a question for sure that. Yeah, more of a statement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a fact.
2: Yeah. All right. On that note, I guess we could start going through the story. I get oh, yeah, well, right. one other thing I want to say. And I I read some review of this. that was like the format of this is a game changer. And he like he was so smart to use at, like way more panels than normal. And then he can fit way more text in it. And I was like, this is h- literally hard to read. There's so many tiny panels with like small yeah. writing. And like for a lot of the TV, there's a lot of this that's told through like watching a TV show. And for that, he put the caption or I guess maybe perhaps the artist or letterer is to blame here. Someone has put the captions for the TV at the top of the panel, which was it took me a while to get into because I kept thinking it was the caption to the thing above it. Yeah, I thought so, too. Oh, and yeah, I think it's
1: kind of, it doesn't exist in a bubble either. Right. It's yeah. It's just like yeah. just in the just white space. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Which I, I got the hang of. And eventually, but it—I did have to keep like rereading those TV panels to be like, this doesn't quite make. Oh, it's to the panel above it, yeah. <laughs> or below it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine, I guess that's technically a me problem.
1: But anyway, <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. Hard. I think it is. It's a legitimate thing about it, and and I'm I'm gonna just come off like an apologist. So I apologize apologies for being an apologist. I I I I do totally get that it is very dense. I think that maybe helps it in its legacy as being this, you know, this amazing document that it does have all this information. So, may- it for better or worse, you know, legitimate or not, it it does have a lot of words. So maybe mm-hmm. it just feels like it's huge. Yeah. But it, yeah, it it crams a lot in there, and it's it is hard to read sometimes.
2: Yeah anyway so we start this we're getting a lot of well it starts with a newspaper written by jimmy olsen i'm like i know him <laughs> i know him from <laughs> so far i do so know good. that guy <laughs> um and it's just being like oh remember when there used to be superheroes there's not superheroes anymore and then it cuts <laughs> to tv that's it's like two pages to say that basically yeah it's like <laughs> And then it it starts in with, like, getting our news stream of, like, Gotham's, you know, TV news. It was like, hey, it's the 10-year anniversary of the last time Batman was seen in public. And Commissioner Gordon is about to retire. And, wow, Gotham sure is having trouble with this gang called the the Mutants, capital M, which was confusing to me an X-Men reader because these people are right mutants
0: especially because they're like one of their trademark looks are these sunglasses that look like cyclops visor yes correct yeah i
1: never (laughs) thought about so i am not a i like the x-men but i i would never call myself a student of them but i'm i guess enough that i like i never put that together until right now that's hilarious
0: I've read more X-Men comics than probably any other than all of the other types of comic books that I have read combined. Oh my so god. So that was though. immediately what pinged wow, me. Wow, yeah.
1: Oh my god. Awesome. Why yeah. this book keeps giving.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. We're a Marvel show around. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: This is yeah, call it out.
2: But also in the preface to this and in the interview of this edition, Frank Miller's like, when I wrote this, I was twenty-nine. I was about to turn 30 and I was like thought it was middle age and over the hill. And so like the oldest thing I can imagine would be bat- like Batman slash Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne is 55 years old and Commissioner Gordon is turning 70 and he's being forced to retire because he's 70 years old and he's like old as balls. <laughs> and now I feel like that's not, you know, just kind of our perception yeah. of age has shifted as a society. That, that part yeah. does,
1: anytime I've reread it, that part, as, at the, as the years go on for me, that part has always thrown me off. I'm like, he's just 55? Yeah, how yeah.
0: is how is a person who is in, like, peak physical condition that fragile at 55? <laughs> yeah. But that's okay, 29-year-old Frank Miller, you'll learn. Yeah. Although, I mean, I do take the
2: point that, like, he has been taking a lot of punches over the years. Yeah, But he right. did have good armor,
0: but also his butler is his doctor, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his medical coverage is not so hot. <laughs>
0: So simultaneous to these news reports about Batman and Commissioner Gordon, we're getting news reports about how Harvey Dent uh, has been in like extensive therapy and also has gotten intense plastic surgery and he's going to be released from Arkham and his doctor is like this vocal batman opponent who is basically going on these news shows and being like oh no like you know harvey dent is like he's great now he's a good person like batman just like treated him like garbage and batman's bad and harvey dent is good and he's gonna be a pillar of society now and commissioner gordon is like no that's wrong actually Mm -hmm. and everyone's like oh you're just an old man what do you care yeah yeah harvey dent is let out of prison and gives like a press conference about how i'm better now i'm a good person the bad part of me is gone i'm excited to give back to society and that is interspersed with a young girl named carrie kelly who is with a friend walking home from school or the library or something and decides, like all thirteen-year-old girls do, to walk, take a shortcut through this area that is like where all of the mutants hang out. <laughs> and
2: they're like, well,
0: oh, "But it'll also, be fine. it's it's an
2: arcade."
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, they cut
2: through the like evil arcade, which I guess this is Gotham, so everything yeah. has like evil preface to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a. Have you guys seen the uh, Teen Titans go to the movies?
2: I think I would like that, but I haven't seen it.
1: You would. It's a, That show is very funny, but there's a part in there where they they try to be the only superhero, so they undo superhero origins, and one part is when they go back in time, because of course, uh, mm-hmm. and they go they go to Bruce Wayne's parents going to walk down the alley, and Cyborg's like, don't go down Crime Alley, and then cut over. <laughs> they cut to, it's like full of murderers and guys with like white, black and white striped shirts and stuff, and are like, yeah, you morons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, so I wanted to Google this because I was like, I'm going to sound real stupid if I'm wrong, but I was correct. Um, So arcade architecturally means like a long covered
1: passageway. Oh. Um,
2: But it's so brightly lit. It also looks like a literal arcade.
1: (laughs) I guess it it also says, it also says video pinball. So it could be both. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. See, I knew... It's both. It's both. It's fine. Just because the way she says, like, oh, like, if we cut through the the arcade, like, we'll cut off all this time on our walk home. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was imagining is, like, a long, you know, covered passageway. Like, I think there used to be one um, over by Downtown Crossing. Mm. And... Then like, yeah, like you brought up like, oh, like the arcade. I was like, oh, was it
1: a video game arcade? It sounds like maybe it was both. It's also raining. So I think they also want to get out of the rain. Yeah. And, you
0: yeah. Know. um So it's regardless. Airtight. They're in the arcade arcade. Yes. <laughs> and they make this poor decision to go through there and the mutants attack them and Batman saves them. And
2: and while he's doing that, he is mentally monologuing the whole time about like how this is so much harder than it used to be. And like, I'm so
0: old. da he like goes through and he like beats up a whole bunch of mutants over like the course of one night and like saves a whole bunch of people. Like a baby had been kidnapped, so he like gets the baby back. All of this stuff and suddenly, suddenly, all these sorry. people are seeing Batman for the first time in ten years. Yeah, and. Then we like cut to all of these news reports where some people are like, Batman's great. And other people are like, Batman's a menace. You know, <laughs> you've, you've heard of Batman media before. You know what it's like. Yeah. Actually,
2: I do. I did pull this quote that I would like to read. And also, I apologize for the language in it. But I didn't write it. Frank Miller wrote it. So the one of the man on the street interviews is some guy says Batman. Yeah, I think he's a okay. He's kicking just the right butts. butts the cops ain't kicking for sure. Hope he goes for the homos next. Okay. Oof. And then the next man on the street interview says, makes me sick. We must treat the socially misoriented with rehabilitative methods. We must patiently realign their, excuse me? No, I never live in the city. <laughs> and so like, clearly we're supposed to think that second person is like ridiculous. I'm not sure if we are supposed to be offended by the first person or not. I like. don't know
1: either. <laughs> uh, and I, and again, I'm probably going to be the apologist for it. But sure, I th- sure, sure I feel like in the best versions of Batman, it has to be like a contained world where he is, where he is centered as like the only good one. So it works. Like Miller does this even better. I think in Batman year one, which is about Batman's origin. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, the cops, every cop except Gordon is just absolute trash. Like this Mm -hmm. city doesn't stand a chance unless this one great guy. And we can get into that whole Mm -hmm. message later but I mean there's one person shows up and does it and so like I would almost think that both of those man on the street comments like they're both kind of trashy you know like even though the second one feels very much like what we're going through or I guess we've been going through forever where it's like the well-meaning white liberal who just spends money but doesn't actually put his money, put his money where his mouth is. You know, like I say the right things, but then no, I don't uh, You know, like it, I, I feel like it's going both ways. So if there's any satire in it, it might be that. But but yeah. Miller's own track record kind of hurts that too. Given the text, I, I read it that way because I'm divorcing myself of all of his bullshit.
2: That's fair. Also, I think maybe we had this conversation before we started recording but just in case, in case that's the fact, one thing that I found contentious was that also in this intro, Frank Miller's like, this was like a dark political satire. Mm-hmm. And I was really struggling with, like, what is it satirizing? Like, who's the target of the satire?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
2: I feel like part of it is like, me personally. and I feel like there's someone out there who's like, yeah, like, I'm owning the libs like this, like Renata reading this. And I'm huh. like, oh, like, it's okay. probably, it's I'm probably, owned.
1: you're probably not wrong, uh, but again, eh, God, I'm going to be such a turd.
2: No, this is good. I'm, sh- I'm confident okay. that you're speaking for a segment of the audience. Well, yeah,
1: and that's, I'm sure I am, which is something I'm probably still recovering from. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's at best like 1986 version of political satire, you know, which is yeah. like way too old. And so you have to look at it with a very different lens and and maybe too forgiving. So I, yeah. I, I think your points, and it's actually part of the reason why I pitched this one because I'd listened to your show and I knew you guys would come at it with this stuff. So no, I, I think this is very valid. To the thing I keep saying, it was like, it's weird how Batman lore won't move past this when there's so many problems in there. You know, there was like, you got to stop deifying this. I mean, I think it's great, but it's also from a certain time and we need something else. So please, 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 please top this somehow. Yeah.
0: I think, too, from the the point of it being a political satire, I can see it as you get in, when you get into the actual political parts of the book. When you get into, you know, there's a point where the mayor won't give an actual opinion about Batman because he's concerned about re-election. Yeah. And there's, like, all this stuff with actual Ronald Reagan as the president (laughs) and, like, decisions he makes and speeches he gives. And in those moments of, like, actual... Politics, like looking at the machinations of the U.S. political machine and the Gotham mm-hmm. political machine, where I can see the satire in there. But I do feel like, it's like there's six such a pages out of five hundred.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're both right. Yeah, I, that, that <laughs> stuff, I guess, is. And all the stuff on TV, I think, is sort of satire. But it at the core is. of it, at the core of it, I feel like it is like isn't it awesome that there's this dude who just like, merc- like mercilessly beats up criminals? That's yeah. so awesome. And like, that's not satire.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. And that's, and that's the thing that I think I've, I've been struggling with too, is with our whole notion. I mean, Batman in particular is like, oh my God, this rich white savior. Oh, thank God this billionaire is taking care of us. And just the that idea is really not aged great. And <laughs> I'm, yeah. uh, I'm a little grossed out by it.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and we should move on soon, but I will say DC and this book is not alone in this either. You know, I've said before, like, I am a bigger Marvel fan. And like, when you look at like Marvel Civil War and all that stuff, like the idea that superheroes are vigilantes who should answer to the UN or to the government or to some like oversight, Mm -hmm. if they were real, like 100% yes. (laughs) Yeah, you're on Stark's side. Yeah, 100%. That's correct. but within the world of the movie, it's like, oh, but we actually can't trust the government and we only mm-hmm. can trust these superheroes and we only know that because the movies are like from their point of view.
1: And I don't want to like belabor this point too much as I jump in. but I, I feel I feel a responsibility on myself and even like I, I want more fans to take that seriously too because if this is just seen like the, I'm tapping the book like you can see it. if this is mm-hmm. just taken as a fiction and not a guide for life, It's a little better, but it feels like the more this type of thing is deified and the more popular like movies become and that sort of stuff. I feel like people want that thing to be so real that then they make it a driving force in their lives. And that's when it becomes a huge problem because I'm totally I'm totally with you. It's like, yeah, if a bunch of super powered people showed up, I'd want like some guarantees, some checks and balances for that because that Hulk guy could really mess us up. For sure. Yeah, send yeah. him to
2: space. Uh, send him to space. <laughs> <laughs>
1: send him to space after after we all meet about it and we all vote and, you know, two-thirds majority. But no, I, I, I feel like it's it's kind of a symptom uh, a symptom and part of the problem of our world is that we fans, I think especially, have wanted this to be either protected and I keep saying deified, but like just made real that it's, that then they start thinking, oh, yeah, like, then it should be. And that's, and I should be thinking like Batman and all this stuff. And I'm like, eh, no, <laughs> please don't. Mm-hmm. He's got real problems, you guys. Yeah.
0: Uh, so let's cruise through a little bit more let's
1: of this. Get, let's get
2: back into Batman's real problems. <laughs>
0: So Harvey Dent has disappeared and Commissioner Gordon, of course, is like, uh, it's because he's evil again. And his doctor's like, no, it's because he's afraid of of all of the negative press he's gotten. Leave him alone.
2: Sorry, one important thing I think we forgot to mention because of this huge derailment that I drove us down. But nah. when Batman saved all those people from the mutants, he found like a scarred 2 faced coin.
1: It's double scarred. It has two scars, which is different too. Oh, shit. Too. Because usually Two-Face has one side clean and one side be- scarred, and then he flips the coin to decide which way to go. The significance yeah, here is oh, that yeah. he has scarred both sides, so now he's, he's made his choice. Yeah.
2: Both sides of his face look good, but both sides of his brain are bad now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's pretty much canon. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so commissioner gordon is like we need batman again and he like is gonna reactivate the bat signal and of course we get a lot of like talking head tv of like oh commissioner gordon he's too old batman's the menace blah 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 and there is a whole like plot that batman is kind of like trying to unravel about where harvey Dent is going to strike and how he's going to strike and all of this stuff and he eventually like figures out that the, then, the, way, it's twin the towers, Gotham twin towers
2: yeah like it's from yeah. 1986 but also somehow too soon yes
0: and that there are are bombs there and then meanwhile carrie kelly who is who is 13 by the way yes just mentioning that Uh, but he does. He so he stops the the twin tower thing. No, I am. I'm sorry. I'm getting this totally out of order. No, Carrie Kelly does. She buys a Batman costume and she's like, she she buys a she buys a Robin costume. costume. Why am I allowed to talk on this podcast? She buys a Robin (laughs) costume. She goes out and does Robin things and tries to help.
1: Uh, that is actually that is actually after he thwarts Two Face, though. She she is gets she, yeah she gets so that this is to our point earlier like it's really dense and confusing but yet no she sees her little like mini arc there is I think she sees Batman saves her and her friend then one day when her parents are I guess getting high and arguing about this and that she sees the signal <laughs> she's she's one of the people who sees the signal on the building because I want them to see it and then mm-hmm. and then the beginning of the next book because there's four books the beginning of the next book is when she officially gets her own costume.
0: Okay. Yeah. I there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Also,
2: by the way, all of Batman's monologues are black text on gray background. It's very hard to read. I know I've said this before, (laughs) but I really, it's really hard to read.
1: (laughs) That's it Yeah, that's interesting. I never noticed that, but you're right.
2: One other thing, also that I I missed from reading it, and then the wiki was like, Joker has been catatonic for ten years. Yeah. Yes. Like I knew that he was locked up, but I didn't. Anyway, so he Joker is now active.
1: Yeah, this is another one of those things that this either this book inspired or like nobody can move past. But I don't know if this was the first instance to really like highlight the whole obsession of Joker to Batman. I mean, obviously it was mm-hmm. there, but the the idea that like he doesn't focus, he doesn't do anything unless Batman's around and then his first words are darling. Um it, mm-hmm. it, that If it wasn't the first, it's definitely like the one that everyone looks to. And now, you know, like the Heath Ledger Joker and, you know, just everybody afterward had even Lego Batman movie, um, Mm -hmm. like, deal deals with the Joker loves him in the worst way. Like, I Mm -hmm. that is, he is my purpose. That is what we do. We do this game. And yeah, no, he has been catatonic. 10 years Mm
2: -hmm. but now he's he's active and like scheming in arkham as he
0: does yes so carrie becomes a new robin and this is where actually before when i said a baby is kidnapped and batman saves it that's actually this happens now
2: it's a a mash of events yeah yeah
0: batman saves baby. The mutants, meanwhile, are still attacking people. One of them attacks Gordon and he's forced to shoot him, but he's just a 17-year-old kid, but he did like try to kill Gordon. So there's a lot yeah. of like rooha about that.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. The mayor still hasn't picked a new police commissioner because like I was saying before, like the mayor refuses to comment on Batman. And that's kind of a recurring theme where like someone asked the president and the president says oh well that's a that's the governor's purview really and then the governor says oh well like i wouldn't want to step on the mayor's toes and then the mayor's like oh well like that really is for the police commissioner to decide like nobody wants to leave a comment on batman because <clears throat> it's too complex of a subject right mm-hmm. so the mayor hasn't picked a new police commissioner yet and he's like leaning towards like, the, the assistant, the deputy commissioner, or, like, the head of detectives, or someone who's already, like, way up there in the police force. But then the deputy mayor's like, no, 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 like, this is who you need to pick. And has him pick this woman, Ellen Yandel.
2: Also, by the way, there's something very funny where they're debating, and the mayor's like, I was thinking about a black guy, but black is passe, which feels so, like still relevant somehow yeah. of like,
1: <laughs> I don't know how intentional it was, but yeah, I, I agree. It's it, it feels like a real conversation in the worst way.
2: Yeah. But no. until he picks a white woman, Ellen Yindel. Yeah. Who I think is good. Actually I'm team Ellen.
1: <laughs> I like Ellen Yindel, especially from the story structure. Cause it's interesting. And they, they bake it in there a lot of like how, you know, Gordon knows who Batman is by this point, or even may have mm. prior. And, he's obviously like not only leaning on him, but helping him. Like they mentioned, like Bruce, you have no idea how many rules I've broken for you and all that stuff. So it's, it is interesting to be like, to raise the stakes and be like, okay, well, what if we take your buddy away and give you somebody who doesn't think you're great and Mm -hmm. she's in charge of the cops? You know, like that's, I, I've always liked that. And I like her and her like mini arc in the story too.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Like and like, she meets with she meets with Gordon, and he's like, "I'm surprised they picked you because like you have a good record and you're a good cop." And like he respects her. Like their only thing is
0: is Batman, which is a pretty big thing, I guess. Yes, she is very anti-Batman. In case that wasn't made clear, (laughs) Mm -hmm. she is, and that is kind of the mayor making his statement on Batman, is saying like, "Oh no, like." Yeah, like I've chosen this person who is, you know, anti-Batman.
1: Right.
2: Yes. And then shortly after that, the mayor, like after making this public choice, the mayor has a meeting with the leader of
0: the mutants. We haven't, we're skipping ahead a little bit because Batman hasn't caught the leader of the mutants yet though. Okay, fine.
1: (laughs) Save it. You're almost there. You're almost there.
0: So Batman um finds out where the mutants are are meeting by um sending Carrie in undercover cuz he has adopted her as an official Robin now.
1: Actually, I I'll jump in, she has not yet. Batman figures it out and Carrie figures it out too. And Batman goes to the dump to fight them with his giant tank but rubber bullets and then Oh yeah,
2: because also because he found out Sorry, he found out that the mutants were buying military gear, and then he, like, right. took the military gear, which is how we get that, like, tank
0: Batmobile thing. Yeah, anyway. so they, they send... The, they're, they're all going to the dump, and Batman knows they're going to the dump, and <laughs> heads there himself to fight them. He fights all of the mutants and uh, is using the tank to, like, overtake the leader, but then the leader, like, kind of makes him... Challenges him to a fist fight instead, and kind of goads him on to do yeah. it. So he does, but he's very old and slow now. So he gets very injured. Again, he is
2: fifty five, <laughs> ancient, crumbling yes. to pieces.
0: they're yeah. in the dump, just leave him there to die. So he he is able to, even though he is is very injured, he is able to capture the leader of the mutants. Well, no, and- actually,
1: but I'm sorry, I'm I'm a devotee here. No, he loses that fight. He jumps. He jumps out. It was like, you know, I have to fight him hand to hand because I'd never know and all that stuff. And and I can't. I shut down the weapon so I won't be tempted and all that. And he loses. And Carrie's the one who saves him and manages to get him back in the Batmobile. And then they have that one of my favorite parts, which is he's on like a a, a stretcher or a gurney in the tank. They're having like a conversation, and he says, "What's your name?" And she says, "Carrie, Carrie Kelly, Robin." And then he says, mm-hmm. "Mine's Bruce." And you're like. Oh, I, that's a part I, I'm sorry. I get so excited about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's like she like proved herself right there and then took the name herself. You know, she yes. she did it. And so I didn't want to I didn't want to drive by Carrie, one of Carrie's moments. That's one of the yeah, one of the things that shows she is really capable and explains why Batman might trust this kid.
2: Yeah, Carrie's good. Oh, one other thing I guess we should say is that earlier this establishes that Robin had died like 10 years ago, which I guess per the wiki hadn't happened yet in comics continuity. This is, but I knew, I knew that like Robin has died in the comics before, but that happened in yep. this and then after this again.
1: Yeah, Jason, Jason Todd, the second Robin. This is the this is another one of those things that like no nobody can move by. It was such a striking thing that then, yeah, then they eventually made a whole story about it and they keep referencing it. And yeah, no one can move past it.
0: Yeah, so so Carrie rescues Batman and then Batman after getting patched up by his butler/ slash dr Alfred <laughs> comes up with a, a new idea to lure the mute like he realizes the only way to defeat the mutants would be to defeat the leader in front of all of the other mutants yep so he lures them all to the same place and is able to defeat the leader this time and the mutants are like oh well like if Batman can take our leader then I guess he's not as good as we thought he was and they all kind of of disband into smaller gangs
2: one of which is the sons of batman or sobs which i thought was genuinely funny yeah
0: yeah but they are able to take the mutant leader and put him into yes. prison at this
1: point yep. that is the yes that is the very famous uh you don't get it boy this isn't a mud hole it's an operating table and i'm the surgeon Moments, <laughs> which is like any like part of you that likes you know, dirty, hairy movies that <laughs> that's that's like the quintessential stuff that you're like, oh, that's so messed up. But also, like, in a movie, I'd be like, badass you know like that's this is the high school serious boy stuff we're talking about (laughs)
0: yeah so meanwhile to this there's a subplot going on about this war or military incursion in this made-up latin american country called corto maltese where there are soviet forces that the u.s is attacking and superman is helping out and the president is like Superman, like you have to go deal with Batman because like we nobody wants to take responsibility for him. But like your buds or you were so could you yeah. go talk to him?
1: And the idea, too, is that sup- like all superheroes have been outlawed by way of Superman saying if you he worked with the government, I believe, to say if you let me stay, you know, because somebody has to be here and you trust me. So let me be the one legal one that's like sanctioned by the US government. and then. That's how, like, the Green Arrow lost his arm, because Superman took him out, and everybody went underground. But, yeah, he is now at the be- at the behest of, the- of Ronald Reagan, I guess you'd say. Yeah.
2: Which, he's drawn as Reagan. It's, like, obviously Reagan. I don't think they ever call him
0: Reagan. No, they name.
1: do. Do they call him Reagan? Oh, okay. Yeah. Even if they didn't, it's pretty it's, obvious. It's Reagan. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So batman's like no like i'm not gonna stop doing this and superman's like well fine i have to go fight russians because it's 1986 and yeah that's what we think we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives
2: i do want to interject that when reagan is asking superman to fight batman he's like you know like on a ranch you have to like break horses and like Mm -hmm. the toughest horse you have to ride him and i'm like sorry did you just ask superman to ride batman (laughs) that's gay anyway
1: (laughs) (laughs) not
0: wrong So joker as we said has woken up from this coma and he has the same doctor who harvey dent had and convinces this doctor that like oh yeah like i'm rehabilitated too and the doctor's like yeah he is because batman's bad and the joker just needs someone to care for his brain or fucking whatever (laughs) and the joker convinces his doctor and all of these other people that he should be allowed to go on this late night talk show
2: yeah, which is, it's called David Endocrine, which is like David Letterman. Get yeah. it? I don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's another one where like, even if they hadn't said the name, it was like, okay, it, yeah, but it's Dave and Paul Schaefer.
0: I, I can see it. Yeah. And this, I believe, is when that thing happens that you wanted to talk about, Renata. Renata.
2: Okay, yeah, because it's so fucked. So what? So the the capital has mutants who are not like mutants in the traditional like Marvel sense of having powers. But the leader has his teeth filed into points, so they're like real sharp. Also, by the way, the mutants are all drawn as being white people, but they talk in this weird slang. And Frank Miller in the intro said that he modeled after the way Mr. T talks and like this, like, I know you've drawn them as white people, but it still like feels racist and like Wait, the way talk- that they talk.
1: He modeled yeah. it after the way Mr. T talks. That's what he said. Wow. That's he has he ever heard Mr. T talk. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense.
2: Specifically, the way the leader talks, he modeled on Mr. T's speech pattern, but some of the weird Man. slang he said he borrowed from Lynn Varley's brothers, who's his at the time his wife, and also the colorist on this. Mm-hmm.
1: And also, they're yeah.
2: white, just yeah. <laughs> but Mr. T was invoked. Uh, wow,
1: I always took, and that's that's blowing me away. I always, uh. I always took it more like Clockwork Orange type dialogue.
2: Yeah, I can see that.
1: I, and, and I know uh, everybody has their opinion about the, the mutants slang. I, I would say at the very least, it is its own thing. It, it belongs to this book. It's not existed b- prior and it has not existed since. But if you find the right people and you say slice and dice or, you know, leaders busted or something like that, you know, people will yeah. be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about.
2: Hey, I just, I'm reading this again. And maybe he's saying that Batman talked like Mr. T. Okay, let me just read this. Yeah. So the the interview is between Frank Miller and um Brian Azzarello, who is, an, you know, another comic.
1: That's who his co-writer is for that latest Master Race book. That's it. Brian Azzarello. Yeah.
2: So Brian says, the second one, that was the mutant issue. And Frank says, the guy with the sharp teeth. Brian says, that was Batman taking a lot of punishment in that one. Frank says, Mr. T was a real popular figure at the time. Brian says, Clubber Lang, which I don't know what that is.
1: Uh, that's from Rocky 3. That's Mr. T's oh, character in Rocky 3.
2: I see. Okay, yep. and then Frank says, and I patterned his speech as close to Mr. T's as I could. And then Brian says, Wow. Yeah. So I guess I assumed he meant the guy with the sharp teeth, but I guess it's so ambiguous. It could be Batman.
1: I think it's I think it's the mutant, but I, I would like to give props to Azarello's response, which is correct, which is, wow.
2: Yes. <laughs> anyway, this guy with the sharp teeth who talks like Mr. T, question uh, mark, he has a meeting with the mayor and he rips the mayor's throat out with his teeth, just <laughs> like, chomp. Like, yep. what? Yeah. Gross. I hate it. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I think that happens. It happens earlier. And I think it I think it's supposed to show that there's not you can't negotiate with this guy. The only way right. to beat him is Batman's way. You you know, you you have to defeat him at his own game or whatever you want to say.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of like, yeah, it's like back and forth between all these different points. But yeah, he, that happens. That happens, and then the leader of the mutants. Then after that, they put the leader of the mutants back in jail,
1: right? And, and that's then... how he gets out. Then they let him out. Yeah, he had to talk about. You had to talk about that teeth part. <laughs> we
0: did have to talk about the teeth,
1: Mr. Yeah.
2: Teeth. Is that anything? Anyway, Mr. We're teeth, through. that's it. <laughs>
0: So now we've got we've got this new commissioner uh, who hates Batman. We've got this deputy mayor who is now the mayor who also hates Batman. It's just yes. a real anti-Batman situation all around. Mm-hmm. Superman's like, Batman, you got to chill. Batman's like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, and Superman's like, fine, I'm going to go fight some Soviets. And yep. all of the mutants have now become other smaller gangs, including, as we said, the sons of Batman. But they're very, they're like, brutal. They're like, <laughs> there's a point where they like kill a shoplifter for stealing, like in a very lay miz moment, like he's <laughs> stolen some candy bars, and they murder him because mm-hmm. he did a crime. Like, yes. it's very, yeah. it's Batman taken to the extreme.
1: Yeah, that is sort of really important in there is that Batman doesn't kill people. You know, like yeah. he's really brutal. And there are some parts where he talks about it, or like, this would be easier. But that's one of the things that either I'm justifying or have enjoyed is that that is his moral code that he does not kill. He also does not use like guns, guns. in that way. Yeah, it, it it's it's very important. So, yeah, I'm glad that that's that you pointed that out, that like this is not what he wants. And then later he even tells them it's like this is these are for cowards. We're not going to use those.
2: Um, So then meanwhile, Batman and Robin, the things that they're chasing in this were so confusing to me. I'm going to read from the wiki one of the villains they were chasing, who only exists in this book, I guess. Her name is Bruno. Quote, Bruno is a neo-Nazi woman and ruthless gang leader who once did some work for the Joker, mainly as a muscle for hire. One of Batman's more obscure enemies, nowadays she is arguably best remembered for the distinctive pair's red swastika pasties on her breasts and glutes. Yes, correct. That is the most memorable <laughs> thing about her. And then Joker, this I think because of the art, Joker has gotten involved with I guess the toy maker, and I couldn't tell if these were robots or dolls or something else, but he has these like exploding robot dolls that yes. talk.
1: So, I've never been able to this maybe I'm excusing it by me reading it so early that you read something and you just take it as it is and move on, right? So, I've lived yeah. with these I've lived with these talking possibly robots and flying robots for forever right but it is one of those things that was either like that is just bonkers and and messed up and kind of confusing and weirdly in a way again i'm i'm really stretching to excuse it in the book (laughs) but i kind of feel like it's one of those things that was like this is very much a comic book as as realistic yeah. as everybody wants to deal with it. It was like, yeah, but you're still in the same book. This is where we deal with the man who can fly and have lasers come out of his eyes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. anything's possible. It is just it just happens to be like the strangest thing outside yeah. of a woman with like swastikas taped over her breasts and looks like Bridget Nielsen. And, you know, it's yeah, it's a lot of strange stuff.
2: A lot's happening. Anyway, these exploding dolls explode a building that Batman and Robin were like spying on and people die in that explosion. And then these exploding dolls are also part of how Joker is like he goes on the late night show like under kind of medical and police supervision. But then he escapes because of exploding dolls and also some Joker venom quote. And like hundreds of people die in the audience. So it's like a big um, like mass death at the David Endocrine show.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes, including his therapist, who's been talking the entire time about how, like, Batman villains don't kill people. Batman, who's chasing villains, makes them kill people, and it's not their fault, is also on the show, and he also dies during this. And and Joker kind of gets his way throughout this by using this, like, paralyzing, poisonous lipstick.
1: This is another me, like, calling out the future, but this... Like, this scene is clearly inspiration for that Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Like, it it ends on a talk show where he goes nuts. And as soon as I watch that movie, I'm like, eh, here we go again. Here we are <laughs> back. We are back with Dark Knight Returns.
2: Oh, no. I haven't seen that movie. I mean... <laughs> It, if you
1: didn't enjoy it, this.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, you know, I'm going to treat myself to not watching this. Yeah, mm. it,
1: it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of experiment in making a movie in the Batman world without Batman. But ultimately, I feel like you kind of need him to balance this out. I don't want to, like, empathize with this guy and. Yeah. Uh, whatever. All right. Let's
0: cruise through the last little bit of this issue and get into yeah. the next, which is that he goes. So Batman goes to visit Selina Kyle, uh, Catwoman, who runs an escort service now, and she has been attacked by Joker and with with his mind. He has new lipstick that also is like mind controlled, brainwash lipstick. Yes. Yeah. So he has mind controlled one of her escorts who's meeting with a senator or the governor or someone.
1: It's both. She he sent he sent it's two. two
0: girls. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, okay,
2: the art is so rough on Selena because she's like 55 now but also looks like like a golden girl. Like she looks so (laughs) old and gross and you're like,
0: uh, but she's not that old. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he uses this mind control lipstick to like go after these politicians. But also Carrie finds some cotton candy at the site of one of these politician murders. And they realize he's going to the fair and he's at the fair giving out free cotton candy that is poisoned. And he kills a whole bunch of people. And there's a big fight where Batman and Robin show up and they chase after them and a whole bunch of things happen. But most notably, Batman and Joker fight in the Hall of Mirrors.
1: No, the lo- Tunnel of Love. The Tunnel of Love.
0: Yeah. And yeah. then run but... into the Tunnel of Love where yeah. they have their like final showdown.
2: Yeah. And I think it looks cool. Like The effect of it is cool here. I'll give them that. Yeah. But then... I didn't understand, I again had to have this explained to me by the wiki, they fight and Batman, I guess, breaks Joker's neck, but in a non-lethal way, and yeah. then Joker's so disappointed that Batman didn't kill him, that he twists his head to break his own neck and die, but I just kind of, is that, that's what was explained to me, I don't yes. get it. Yes,
1: so it is not medically accurate, I'm sure, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so two, two things, because they're two of my absolute favorite things yeah uh, go- going way back to the part when they catch up with selena and she says you know we th- he sent out a girl to uh to a senator and a and a governor right one of my yeah. absolute favorite parts and it's so little is they're about to leave and then commissioner Yindel and the um and the cops show up and they escape and they're like get out there and and you know gotta kill batman and you're like he's gonna do this and then batman breaks in on her own signal and says something like commissioner, this is Batman. The governor's life is in danger and I don't have time to save him. It's up to you. And then there's just a silent panel of her staring at the walkie talkie. And like, it's those little moments that for some reason I hung on to so tightly. It was like, he's on the right side. Like, please help him. He's trying to do the right thing.
0: Her arc is very interesting to me. Um, probably one of the things I like best in this book because she comes out as so anti-Batman and then over the course of working with him, it starts to become clear that like she does, if not respect him, like understand why he's yeah. doing the w- what he does and becomes much more conflicted. It becomes much less black and white for her. Right, right. Um, and I did like the way they handled that.
1: Me too. And so on the other justification train, the Joker thing, The whole book, I'm pretty sure Batman is talking about how, you know, I've counted the bodies I've murdered by letting you live. And I, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to break my rule and I'm going to kill him and all that stuff. And then, then when he gets right there, he is going to, I guess, strangle him or break his neck or something. And he can't do it. And I I don't, I forget the words, but it's something like I would, you know, it's like they, some witnesses call me a killer and I wish I was. And then I, I've always taken the Joker's words As taunting him and basically saying, you never had the, you don't have the guts to do this, but it doesn't matter. They already think you have killed me and therefore my greatest revenge is to prove them right. And then I guess he breaks his own neck, which is, again, never made sense for me, but in some sort of grand operatic way, it felt right. It was like, ah, this son of a, (laughs) just, you suck, Joker.
0: (laughs) Son of a clown. So Batman is wanted for the murder of the Joker, even though he didn't do the actual killing. And uh, we forgot to mention earlier that the new Commissioner Yandell's first act as police commissioner was to issue a warrant for Batman's arrest for a whole bunch of things, including child endangerment, because they noticed that Robin's like 13.
2: Which, you know what? You know what?
0: She's right. (laughs) She's right. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: No, that's totally right. (laughs) Pile up the list.
0: So Gotham is like overrun by all of these gangs and Batman is in bad shape from being having the crap kicked out of him in this fight in the tunnel of love. And meanwhile, the Soviets have fired a what they think is a nuclear warhead at the US and Superman Mm -hmm. has to grab he's able to grab it and detonate it in the desert. But it turns out it's not like a regular nuclear warhead. It's some made-up kind of nuclear warhead that has it's an a EMP. Cool, it's a cool warhead. I think they call it a, col- <laughs> a cold maker or a cold winter- bringer. Yeah, cold, a cold bringer. Cold bringer I think um, that gives out an EMP that knocks out all of the like electricity and all of the electronics across the country, and then also brings up this dust and soot cloud so that it is like dark over the U.S. and cold, and none of the electronics work, and of course gotham being gotham when that happens rioting and looting immediately starts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. there's just like widespread like oh lights are out it's time to start looting like it's yeah th- yeah it's like fully the purge in gotham yes
1: yeah well a plane crashes into a building too yeah I mean, it, it mm-hmm. is
0: bad news The mutants all break out of prison. Everything's just wild. So Batman and Robin find some horses that are at the Wayne Manor and the stables. And they ride out and go to the sons of Batman and are like, listen, like, I'm your dad now. And you're (laughs) going to help me keep order in the city. And they kind of ride across town and make people stop looting and start, like, putting out fires and giving medical care to people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it, yeah. and I love I love that you said, I'm your dad now, because one of my other, like, it's interesting how in the book, I guess, you know, debatable how old man he is, but like, he tells one kid to watch his language while he's fighting the Joker, and then here is when he shows up, and I think he finds a mutant, and he's like, boys and girls, I'd like to co- appeal to your community spirit, you know, it's like, kind of a loaded statement, but I love that he calls them boys and girls, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know?
0: Yes. So the the sons of Batman are trying are helping to keep the streets clean, even once the power comes back. But there's a lot of like, well, we got to get rid of Batman now. Like, Batman is just we got to get rid of him. Superman had in knocking the warhead off course. He barely was able to survive it because of his super Kryptonian powers, <laughs> and he needed to like go to a sunny place and absorb sunlight. In order to, it was, it was real gross. It was real he, gross. It yeah. was like a skeleton in a he Superman was like melty. suit. melty. Yeah. It was bad.
2: Also around then, Oliver Queen, aka Green Arrow, shows up with one arm.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I was like, wait, when did this happen? I read the wiki. Again, this is one of the things that happened between books and like was never seen. But the wiki says Superman broke his arm off. Like.
1: Yes. Yes. Broke
2: it? Like you just like snapped it off? What the fuck, Superman?
1: Yeah. That is that is what's said. And that's like why I think Oliver wants to be part of it cuz he says something like yeah. I I owe him one for this.
2: Yeah, he's like I want a piece of uh, yeah, and we did talk about this a little bit earlier of how like Oliver Queen was forced to retire cuz Superman's the only superhero but like yeah. broke his arm off. Like there wasn't a better way you could handle this Superman. What the
1: it's, fuck? It's dramatic. Everybody's so dramatic, and
2: then wait, but then this version of Oliver Queen with one arm and like sadness shows up in a Legends of Tomorrow episode, and I am furious that this has gotten in my beloved <laughs> Legends.
1: I'm te- I'm te- I bet, I bet if you look at more things in that, like de- uh, what is it, the the Arrowverse, I bet it yeah. has even more. It, it is so. It is so in however you want to look at infected it, it it informs everything so yeah totally anytime they do a future thing you're like well maybe you know if the green arrow shows up maybe he doesn't have an arm yeah he does get one i will tell you he does get one like batman makes him one in the subsequent books he gets like a prosthetic robot arm that can help him too.
0: so he's the winter soldier great he's the
1: winter soldier yeah oh yeah with worse <laughs> okay. hair
0: so Batman and Superman and Batman are going to have this showdown and Superman's still not fully healed from his nuclear escapades earlier. <laughs>
1: nuclear escapades. <laughs> That's a good way to say it.
0: Batman's counting on this. So he comes up with this whole elaborate plan to, if not kill, completely incapacitate Superman uh as quickly as possible and so they have this whole fight and then he's superman is surprised part way through when oliver queen shows up and he has like a kryptonite arrow
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. that he has to shoot with his foot because he only has one arm or his honestly, teeth like,
1: doesn't he also do one with his teeth oh it's like he yeah, pulls he's like yeah. yeah he's
2: like hanging upside down on like monkey bar style on like some
0: <laughs> rubble yeah anyway good for yeah. him So he so they're fighting and they and Batman got to choose where they were fighting and he chose Crime Alley of fucking course. Of course. (laughs) There's like 17 flashbacks in this to Batman's parents dying. Of course. If you've seen any Batman media at all, you understand that has to happen at least once.
1: If we've got in this in this issue, we have Oliver Queen and Batman Drama Queen. He really likes he really (laughs) likes his drama.
0: (laughs) I love it. So they they're fighting, and meanwhile, like Alfred is destroying the Batcave and Wayne Manor because like he Batman is th- there's a plan, and there's all these like allusions to like Carrie being like, why won't you tell me the plan? And he's like, I can't because Superman can hear, mm-hmm. so like I can't tell you the plan yet, but there is a plan, and then during the fight Batman seemingly dies of a heart Mm -hmm. attack because he's so old yes he's so old (laughs) and he's he's fighting Superman with this like exo suit and he like gets a lot of good hits in and then the kryptonite arrow happens but he does die of a heart attack and then Alfred while burning down Wayne Manor simultaneously dies of a stroke as if his actual essence was contained in the building (laughs) and could not live without it (laughs)
2: And, and I read that, and I was like, "I'm sorry, did Alfred just kill himself, or like did Batman put like self destruct in Alfred?" But oh. according to according to the wiki, no, he just coincidentally died yeah. at that moment.
0: <laughs> so it's fair. There's a funeral for Batman, and you know, there's all these news shows about how like oh Bruce Wayne was Batman, but his fortune has been drained before he died, so he was destitute, and um you know, everybody comes to his funeral, and it's very sad, except that as Superman is leaving the funeral, he hears Batman's heartbeat. And he realizes that Batman faked his own death. But he like kind of casually gives his acquiescence to this by winking at Carrie and then leaving.
1: He does the classic it, it in one of the books that I have, it has Frank Miller's notes, which is interesting to read. Like it's a it's like a Script, but not a script, but he calls it the classic Superman wink. It's like he wanted it to have the the Christopher Reeve moment <laughs> of like wink at the camera, you know?
0: Classic. So Carrie, Carrie digs Bruce Wayne up and then Carrie and Bruce and Oliver Queen and all the sons of Batman are shown in like the deep, dark recesses of the Bat Cave where they are already like rebuilding their anti-crime empire. Yeah and that's how it ends and
1: part of it part of it, yay <laughs> well done I, it's funny part of it the big part of this whole thing is batman fighting superman right but to give oliver queen his like moment here is he kind of almost implants the idea in bruce's head that he's saying like you know you didn't something like you didn't learn the lesson that like You do things quiet, but a loud kind of quiet in order to stop you, they have to kill you. And so he realizes it was like, I can't, I cannot keep going as I am. I have to let them think that they've killed me to go on with this other thing. So I've always kind of thought that it was like, oh, Oliver kind of like drove that in him. That's part of why they're buddies.
2: Yeah they're both they're both so dark (laughs) one thing that i one thing that i loved was like in this like rigor but the end carrie's like oh superman figured it out and batman's like of course he did he knows how good i am at chemicals and i was like (laughs) sorry is that chemicals is your skill (laughs) set it's literally just good at chemicals i was like okay like hawkeye's good at boats you're good at chemicals. great
0: Great. There's and I I will give them this. There, so there's a part where on his way to the battle, he takes these pills. And kind of yeah. the implication at the time is that they're, because they keep saying, like, oh, like you're too weak for this, like even with the exosuit. Like at the time, the implication is kind of like, oh, these will make you stronger or something. When, like, obviously they were the fake death pills. Yeah. yeah it's the like chemicals.
1: my, my yes. last, it's something like my last magic trick or something, he says. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. The yeah.
2: end. Yeah. The
1: end. So, what'd you think? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, um, I, I think it's one of the top 10 greatest graphic novels of all time. Uh,
0: (laughs) Blurb worthy. It's
1: It's blurb worthy.
0: And it's, it is interesting to me. So like anybody who's into comics knows this comes up every once in a while. There'll be an article in a mainstream publication about comics Mm -hmm. that will have a very goofy title that basically is like comics aren't just for kids anymore. Yeah.
2: And it's it's often like, wham, bam, like comic sounds, comics are for kids.
1: Yeah. Or like, like, holy adult material, comics are just for kids.
0: (laughs) Yes. And it's, having lived the majority of my life in a world where this- comic already existed and there were already a lot of like grimdark comics out there and everyone I knew as a child who read comics outside of my brother was an adult mm-hmm. like it is like and every time that happens like all the internet is like this is so stupid like comics are not like they're not that's not the primary audience just because it's illustrated doesn't mean that it's just for children and like this is the fact I, it is just so weird to me that we can live in a world where it's like I ah, guess this like respected comic book that like everyone puts on these you know lists of great literature you know this and watchmen as like yeah held up to this like high standard of great literature and then like we're still fucking having this debate about how like oh like yeah comics comics shouldn't be for children they're so dark and grim now and i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this just to say that my entire life from child to this came out in what 86? Yeah. 86 yeah 86 yeah i was one so my entire life, comics have been for adults, and I <laughs> really don't understand this like continued thought that like oh yes, comics are for children.
1: Well, I I think to unpack that a little bit, I think it's it's a little of that thing of like I tend to believe that comics can't well they can be for both right I mean yes, you have absolutely. you have all sorts of they stuff. should
0: be for both
1: but a lot of it, it was like. Look, this is about a guy who puts on a pointy hat and wears a cape and there's like flying talking robot bombs. It's like, if not for kids, it's a little immature. It's childish. It would appeal to kids. And so that whole discussion of like, it's not for kids, it's for adults has always kind of felt like the underlying thought is like justifying it as an adult, justifying liking things that I liked as a kid, you know? And it goes that whole thing I keep saying of like people not being able to move past it. Yeah. yeah and so like I've loved this book but I also recognize that you know it's 30 plus years old and maybe we should have some new voices and some new ideas and new character you know like it's crazy that that you can't even move past the same characters you know or and it's like oh the same guys
0: yeah and it just I mean even just like I I feel like there's just like all of this I guess the idea I'm trying to articulate is that because of this I feel like there's a lot of like well we're gonna make this like as dark and adult as we want to prove that it's not for children. Whereas like it should be for both. There should be comics for children too. And I feel like that is a place and it's been less so in the past few years, at least from the Marvel standpoint, I don't know as much from the DC side. Uh, I think some,
1: but
2: yeah, DC has a new, we can talk about it at Reader's advisory actually.
0: Yeah. You know, but there has been like a push from Marvel to have more like young adult and
1: middle grade, and DC and too. DC, I will say,
2: DC is doing this too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And don't you think? I mean, like that's really important too. Because if if we're really thinking about it, you know, for a long time, I don't know how much they're really doing this big. Because anytime I've gone to a comic book store, it's primarily what I would say like more older teen adult stuff, and then there's like quote unquote kids things are very small, and it feels like it's very much catering to what I would assume are older white men. So you're just going to keep catering to that audience. We're just going to keep feeling, Feeding this problem,
2: DC is actually yeah. doing really good things. They're doing a lot of like one-off graphic novels rather than continuing series for kids and teens, oh. which is what they want. Like kids come in there, like, where's volume one? They see like all the volumes and they're overwhelmed, and they want these standalone stories. Yeah, is what I'm experiencing as a librarian. Oh, okay. and DC is providing these. They have a DC Kids line and a DC Ink, which is aimed at teens, and they're good. And they're getting like good writers to do them. Nice um like some known quantities yeah i like
1: that i like that anyway the contain the big giant stories always turn me off i i mm-hmm. like i like i like a beginning middle and end <laughs> yeah
0: yeah Same. Um, yeah, and I, and I should clarify that. The reason that I kept saying Marvel is because I don't read DC, so I don't- yeah. No, no, it's fine. No, so that is like my knowledge is of Marvel, and I know that Marvel has been making strides in recent years to be like, oh, yes, eventually this demographic that we've been catering to for the past 20 years will all die, yeah. and we'll need new people to read comic books. Right. So yeah. we should hook them now. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't remember where I was going with that. But we should maybe we should do some dramatic readings. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, the point. Is, the point is
2: comics are for everyone. Even this one. Yeah, that go. is <laughs> that is
0: actually that is the tagline of our local comic shop <laughs> comics for everyone. I love that.
1: I love that shop.
2: Yeah, it's it's hub comics. Stop in when you're in the Boston area. <laughs> yes. Oh, great.
0: All right, so I'm going to start the dramatic readings. I'm going to read some of this nonsense mutant slang (laughs) from a point where Carrie is infiltrating the mutants to, I don't know, get them all in one place or something. I don't remember. But the the point is the nonsense mutant slang. Guy number one. That Batman, he nasty, tossed Spike right through the sign, Don. Guy two. I figure that real cool, Rob figure fixing the sign didn't billy up the price of the games guy one i assume and leader didn't don't shiv on batman leader say he pegged batman guy two leader say but leader chill in a cell don and batman he knew half the gang radical hey i sideways don chicken legs coming wearing colors God. Oh, their names are helpfully written on their shirts. Their names are <laughs> yeah. Don and Rob. Don and Rob. Meh. So Rob says, my mom lickin' Cheggs. And then Carrie in disguise says, all lines are busy. Don says, Cheggs, kinda my nasty Rob. Rob says, Cheggs, Billy. Cheggs, preschool mutant. Carrie says, leader take you face for touching me, spud. <laughs> Rob says, yeah, you leader squeeze, I figure. Carrie says, gee, boys, I figure you ain't all bright. Figure you are mutants. Rob says, we mutants, we slicer dicers. Carrie says, I'm sure that's why you at the pipe. I don't shiv. Don says, bod, she don't shiv. Rob says, ain't fan. What pipe, chicken leg? Carrie says, ears only, spud, as in members. Rob says, we mutants. What's this pipe? Carrie says, pipe spud. West River and forty attendance as in mandatory. And Rob says, sure, the pipe we heard. And Don says, real cool, Rob. <laughs>
2: Just stop, just stop. I don't I really know what any yeah. of that
1: meant. <laughs> I, think but... I, I think I, tr- I think either through uh, your performance or through years and years of reading it, I think I understood most of it, which is that they're discussing how the mutants, you know, the mutant leader beat Batman. They got to get, you know, like, oh, but he doesn't kill anybody. And then Robin shows up and they're like, oh, hey, how you doing? And he's like, I'm not interested in you. I'm interested in going down to the sewer where the pipe is. So I kind of followed it, but.
0: Congratulations. Uh, it's tough. Yeah. I it's did not. Tough. I, that is a genuine, I was not being sarcastic. No, I believe like, you.
1: I believe you. I, I've I've also personally internalized more of that slang than I care to. Well, I will admit. <laughs> Most of it is actually, I feel like Carrie does the slang the best. Like, I love when she says aces or uh, ace the cloak, when she means like get rid of the cloaking device or peel for drive fast, billy in close. Mm. Like those things I've like occasionally said while driving my son around like we're an ace we're gonna peel in close or you know we're gonna gonna... oh yeah aces great that's good
2: well you're you're teaching the children yeah yeah isn't that what we're all about (laughs) yeah um all right i'm just gonna read a little bit from joker's appearance on the late night with david endocrine and Hmm. it's again it's clearly david letterman and so david letterman says what can i say about our next guest that hasn't been said before paul and paul says he's a kook dave a maniac a real lunatic no i mean it he's a nut and then we cut to joker and also this is interspersed with robin and batman fighting elsewhere and so i'm skipping all that stuff and just reading you the tv stuff but like panel by panel it switches back but meanwhile back on the tv show dave says you're said to have killed only about 600 people joker now don't take this the wrong way but i think you've been holding out on us and then Joker's therapist who's with him, Dr. Volper, says, This is a sensitive human being here, Dave. I won't let you harass. And then Joker says, I don't keep count. I'm going to kill everyone in this room. And Dave says, now that's darn rude. And then the other guest on the show is Dr. Ruth, who is another real person that like, I remember seeing on TV. She's like an older lady who gave sex advice. And so Dr. Ruth says... What is the nature of Batman's psychosis? Why, sexual repression, of course. Sexual repression, this is a terrible zing. And then Joker says, you're right, we must not restrain ourselves. And then he kisses her with his mind control lipstick. And then she does like a huge Joker smile. And then I'm going to stop. But then after (laughs) this, like the doll explodes and like everyone dies. Including Dr. Ruth.
1: Yeah. Well, she, I think technically super comic nerd says joker's wearing killer lipstick at that point because oh, at la- that point later when he goes to selena he says something like aren't you glad i changed my lipstick because he has oh yeah has two types i think so yeah he definitely yeah. kills her that's the that's the outcome. <sighs>
2: Anyway. So
1: I get to do a dramatic reading too, right?
2: Yeah, go for
1: it. Yay. So we're talking about all these things that like, oh, it doesn't say Reagan, but it's clearly Reagan. It's not Dave Letterman, clearly Reagan. One thing that I didn't realize until later was like the Joker feels very clearly David Bowie. Um, Mm. To me, to me, to me, like the Let's Dance era David Bowie. Ambiguously sexual, whatever. Okay, I can see uh, that. Okay, well, I
2: can, I can see it, but I spiritually reject it. But okay, <laughs> <can> fine, <do. laughs>
1: fine, uh, fine. Then, then I then I was toying with the idea of reading this part in the David Bowie terrible impression, which is basically Jermaine Clement. But this, <laughs> no, uh... please,
2: please do that. Okay,
1: just, Okay, I'll try. Please I'll try. do
2: that. Just I'm frowning.
1: Okay, no, okay. the
2: podcast you can't see.
1: <laughs> okay, great. Well, how about this? Let's just let's just will a world together where David Bowie got to play something like this. I think. It would have at least been very interesting This is Joker, one of Joker's last monologues To Batman after Batman's Almost broken his neck, right? Okay, I'm gonna try this uh, They're gone The witnesses, I mean I'm really very disappointed with you, my sweet The moment was perfect And you didn't have the nerve Paralysis, really Just an ounce or more of pressure And... <laughs> Do I hear sirens? Yes. Coming close. You won't get far, but then it doesn't matter if you do. They'll kill you for this, and they'll never know that you didn't have the nerve. There you go. <laughs>
0: Very
2: good. Thank that you. was more enjoyable than the entire book. Thank I,
0: you. That was amazing.
2: <laughs> that, <laughs> that on Thank my you own there you Yeah. Go. All right, let's get into readers advisory and suggest some stuff to read or watch instead of or in addition to uh this book. Yeah. Philip, do you want to go first?
1: Sure. I I'm going completely like other taste. Do you mm-hmm. guys do you know the series Bandette? I yes. do. Yeah. Um I and if other readers don't know it, it is a comic book. I guess it's a it's a web series really, but they put out beautiful um hardback copies and it is the type of thing that like I can read, my wife can read, and my 11-year-old son can read. And it is breezy and beautiful and sort of sweet, but also funny and adventure-filled. But like in that sort of, I don't know, like Robin Hood level adventure. It's about this young woman living in Paris uh, who is a thief. And she she only robs from bad people. We can take that Mm -hmm. to mean what it wants. But she also like loves candy bars. And she has like a group of her helpers. And she battles other dramatic criminals to make sure everything's on the up and up. And it is a delightful, weird, fun comic. So it is yeah. very different from the Dark Knight Rises or Dark Knight Returns. But um, that would be my recommendation.
2: Yeah, she she steals a dog because the owners aren't taking good care of it. And the dog's so cute. Thank you. Philip, did you have another book you wanted to recommend that oh. maybe you have close close personal experience
1: with? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. For people who want to not read comic books, I have a book coming out. Then you can, everybody can read it and pick out the parts where it's like, oh man, this freaking Frank Miller Devotee, <laughs> it's it is a mystery novel called "The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air." This is uh, a book that I wrote, and it's the first. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's the first in my psychic barber mysteries series. So it is about a young woman living in the Los Angeles San Fernando Valley. Uh, she's a hairstylist and she has psychic powers, and she uses this. She uses this in her work to touch her customers' heads, and she sees the perfect styles that they want, every little nuance, so then she gives them great cuts, and everybody's happy, and everything's fine until one day she touches the head of a stranger, and she sees a murdered body.
2: Oh no! So then,
1: yeah. Oh no! Dun dun dun! So then, uh, <laughs> she's she's compelled to get to the bottom of it and ends up digging into the sort of seedy underworld of Bel Air politics, you know, college admissions, the cops, and and some weird old man who calls himself the mayor of Bel Air. So that is the murderous haircut of the mayor of Bel Air that I highly recommend.
2: Yeah, that sounds it's a it's an interesting premise. I look Thank forward you. to reading it. Thank yes. you very much. My Reader's Advisory, I'm going to have more up at worstbestsellers.com under Reader's Advisory because, I, like I said, I do think the DC Kids and DC Inc. is doing some really good stuff. My favorite is Harley Quinn colon Breaking Glass by Mariko Tamaki and Steve Pugh, Hmm. which is an origin story for Harley Quinn. It's a one-shot and it posits that she was sort of like kicked out of her home and raised by like a house of drag queens which obviously i love obviously (laughs) everything i want in a book and then i also really have already mentioned several times but will never stop telling everyone that legends of tomorrow is the absolute pinnacle of the dc universe i will hear no word said against it except that the first season is bad and skippable
1: you know other than that (laughs) i would love i would love to hear more because you as i've listened to the show you've teased bits of legends of tomorrow i'd love to hear more because. My wife and I tried with that first season and no, no, no. just you couldn't. S- you
2: can straight up just skip it. I guess
1: They so. like straight
0: reinvent up. themselves every season.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. We're running along on this podcast, but I will be happy to talk to you longer off the air about Legends oh, of Tomorrow yeah. or at any time. I'm always happy to talk about Legends <laughs> okay, of Tomorrow. Okay, great, great, it's great. the best.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Stay tuned for our spinoff podcast where we just talk about how great Legends of Tomorrow is. That's great. Oh my God. Yeah. Legendary
1: Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs>
0: so i'm just gonna again like love more on the the website but uh the lego batman movie is probably my favorite batman movie ever oh yeah and it is or batman media of all, of any kind ever uh and it is basically the polar opposite of this in <laughs> that despite the fact that it does take elements from this book mm-hmm. uh it's basically about batman realizing that like having friends and a family is what gives him the power of love (laughs) is what really will help him overcome evil and if you know me you know that any story with that plot line makes me very happy so it's great
1: it's great yes
0: yeah and
2: like felt mentioned earlier it does seem pretty clear like in conversation with this book like yes
1: but in a great but in a great way like critiquing it right i mean yeah yeah yeah
2: all right, so again, more of those up at WorstBestSellers.com. Let's move on to The Rock Paper Snicked, where we'll do a DC Marvel crossover. And Kate will say who Wolf- or, no, Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if you're in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if you're in this book. And Philip, you can choose which most enhances the book, or you can choose paper, which just leave the book as is.
1: Okay.
0: All right, so if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, I would not want him to be there. I don't want him to be in this book. This book makes the world seem very bad. So if mm. he was in this book, I would make him have a time machine so that he could go back in time. He'd be a legend. To... He'd be a legend I of tomorrow. I getting to that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my sorry. Sorry. I got, too spoilers. I got too excited. I would give him a time machine so that he could go back in time and change whatever terrible events led to this dystopian future. And what better time machine to put him on than the wave rider with the legends of Tomorrow? yes okay if
2: wolverine were in this he would be old man logan which is an existing book that i don't like (laughs) and he and bruce and it's basically kind of like what if what if wolverine were dark knight returns he'd be old man logan but anyway he'd be that and he and bruce would sit together in a sadness cave in stoic silence
1: (laughs) i i bruce even smokes a cigar at one point so that works (laughs) um I like that because it stays very close to the book that I like, plus you get Wolverine. But I am going to go with time travel and The Rock. And I and yes. I really like the idea that it is Dwayne The Rock Johnson not playing a character, not doing anything, but it is just he himself is is in there. So I, I'm going Rock on this. The Rock.
0: Excellent. All right. And it should be noted that The Rock is the president in a future of Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. Wow.
2: Yeah yes uh all right well good good game good game good game and now it's time for duarte's coroner where my cat duarte will share his opinions about the book Yeah, Duarte, you sound really upset. And I understand that it is really disrespectful how they treated Selena Kyle in this book. And yeah. she didn't even seem to have any cats anymore. And that's why this is the worst future timeline. I hate it.
0: Mm. It's true. I'm, I'm in agreement with you there, Duarte. Yeah, can't argue with that.
2: All right. Well, Duarte, thanks for joining us. Sorry about the lack of cats. Humans. Any humans have any closing thoughts?
0: No.
1: <laughs> no, I, th- I, yeah, I, I feel like I, I, feel like we, we have said an awful, awful lot about, because there's a lot to say.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to come and talk to us online, if you want to defend this book, please don't. If you want to encourage me to defend Legends of Tomorrow, here's where you can find us. You can uh, we're on Facebook and Worst Bestsellers at Worst Bestsellers spelled normally. We're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because Superman broke the S off. It was really Ugh. graphic, and and then he put it on his shirt. I guess I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so it's the whole up. thing. <laughs> Uh, We also have a Goodreads group that's best accessed by going to worstmassage.com and clicking
0: on Goodreads. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places that you find podcasts. Uh, If you do find us there, please subscribe. And if you subscribe, take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review I was going to say something gross from the book here but I really wouldn't want to subject any of you to that so maybe Mm -hmm. I'll just read other portions of this book out loud to you if you skip that part of the process Uh, we do have a Patreon available at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers Patreon is a service where you offer a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for our editing software and host our website in return there are all sorts of perks for you like stickers and postcards and a newsletter we also have merch available by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the merch tab where you can find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body and finally uh you can join our discord group by going to worstbestsellers.com and looking for the discord link Uh, and you can join us in discussing legends of tomorrow or other media that we like better than this (laughs)
2: And finally, if you want to just come talk to me personally, I'm on Twitter
0: and Instagram at Renata Snacks. If you want to come talk to me, I am only on Instagram right now, but it's at 14 across. And Philip, where can we find you? Uh,
1: I am on Twitter at Philip Uh P-H-I-L-L-I-P-M-O-T-T-A-Z like zebra. Uh, you can also find my site. Um, but honestly, I have such a strange spelling name. If you just do a search for murderous haircut Philip. You'll probably find me because I'm, well, I hope you'll find me. All the other people who've written murderous haircut books. But uh, my site is philipmottas.com.
2: All right. Yeah, that's good branding.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks. I
2: liked. <laughs> <laughs> um philip thanks so much for joining us thank
1: you for having me this is so much fun and i I really do enjoy the show and i I was honored to be a guest
2: it's great to have you and yeah and thank you for like literally explaining this book to me because it literally is confusing
1: (laughs) Uh, i get it
2: and sincerely and uh we as a podcast will be back in two weeks with the short second life of brie tanner by stephanie meyer it's that time
0: again anniversary time for worst bestsellers get hype all right so until then bye bye